The federal election is upon us and the seat for Leichhardt is a hotly contested spot. This special podcast on our listener app offers every candidate the opportunity to speak and to share their platform and to discuss why they are the best person for the job. With us today is the current federal member for Leichhardt, Warren Edge. Can I ask you, since you have been back in this position, the member for Leichhardt since 2010, what has been the proudest moment for you and what you've delivered for your electorate? For my electorate since 2010, we've managed to get very close to sealing the Peninsula Development Road. And, I'm, and look, I'm looking internally now. Uh, the Peninsula Development Road was, was a very significant uh, investment. I tried it in the first term. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we got sealed between Laura and uh, uh, Lakeland and, and then the Queensland Government pulled out of the deal. But we managed to get it across the line uh, when I came back, uh, actually in 2013. Uh, we started the sealing of the Peninsula Development Road. But there's been a lot of things like that that, that have happened here. We, the university hospital, we got the funding for that. But they're monetary things at the Western Arterial more recently, which is one that I've been working on, the Marine Precinct, which uh, I certainly played a very significant role in, in creating and, in fact, just announced the last $24 million, which basically completes that precinct. And we're just starting on an aviation pre- precinct in the same context. And so there's been lots and lots of those sort of things that have happened o- o- over that period of time. But on a national level, I was one of the ones that led the campaign for medical cannabis. I also initiated the uh, debate and and legislation for uh, the removal of legal and financial discrimination within the gay community. I introduced the bill and after many years of campaigning for uh, marriage equality. So, I mean, so that was the biggest social change in Australia uh, in 50 years. So it's quite a significant one. I want to acknowledge the fact that it's been in the media that you've said this is the most important election of a generation. What does that mean for you? Well, look, it's certainly the most difficult, the most complex. I think there is a uh, very much a hangover from the Trump era. That sort of manifests itself in two ways. First of all, there is a very large cohort. I mean, understand, we've had in, in a three-year period, and, and I don't think in modern history we've had anything like this before, we started with a mouse plague created through a drought. Then we had a flood. Then we had a massive flood. Yeah. Then we had massive destructive bushfires. Then we had a world pandemic, global pandemic, which we're still going through. Then, of course, we had another flood and then we've had a war. There was a great risk of overflowing outside the boundaries of the Ukraine. Now, that puts a huge amount of stress on people. People are fearful of it. And, of course, there's been a whole lot of mandates that have been put in by the various states for their own reasons, and people are looking for somebody to blame. Right. And because that's nice and easy, federal level, even though the mandates are now lifting, it's all the federal government's fault. The problem that we have is that, and this is this, this, is this hangover from the Trump, mainstream media is all fake news to a whole lot of people. They get their, they get their information from the bowels of deep, dark bowels of the social media, from the internet. And that's their truth, and they will live by it, and that's all they like. And then, of course, uh, all mainstream, and this is again driven by some of the single-action candidates, all the poli- or any mainstream politician is, is corrupt. And so it makes it very difficult when you're trying to communicate with these people. They don't want to hear anything you say, you know, doesn't make sense. Don't worry about anything in the mainstream media because it's all fake. And, uh, you know, I had a woman the other day come up to me in, in a shopping centre and as I was walking out after doing a grocery shopping and she said to me, you're one of the mayors. I said, no. She said, yes, you are. I said, I'm sure you I'm not. She said, but I've seen you around. I said, yeah, well, I'm the federal member, local federal member. Oh, that's right. You've got to get us out of the global cities. 
And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. You put us in the global cities, you've got to get us out. I said, I have no idea what What's you're talking about. What's the global about. cities? I have no idea. And then she said to me, you were, and started yelling at me in the shopping, you're working for the people, you should be working for the people, you've got to get us out of the global cities. I said, I have no idea, and I really can't stand and argue. And as I'm walking away, she's yelling at me. You wow. know, you've got, to, you, you've got to work for the people, you've got to work for the people, get us out of the global cities. And then the clincher. She said, if you don't get us out of the global cities, the new world order is going to take us over. And, and and, and, you know, I mean, you think to yourself, wow, where does this stuff come from? Well, Do, you know where it comes from. Could, could I could I make an interjection? Now, I Googled it because I had no idea what it was. Um, I know there's a lot of anxiety around particularly the bloke that runs the World Economic Forum, mm. okay? He, it Klaus something. And he does say some outlandish things. Mm. And Scott Morrison is a member of the World Economic Forum. And sometimes... Countries are, aren't they? Yeah. But the thing is, is that they they put these things together and they go, well, if you're part of this, then you must be part of whatever rhetoric someone else is saying. And maybe that's what needs to be dispelled, if that's an untruth. Um, Well, I don't know how... I mean, there are so many of them floating around out there. I mean, I I had no idea what she was talking about. But nevertheless, I mean, it was her truth. Yeah, okay. And, you know, it's sad because she had a 14, 15-year-old lad standing beside, obviously, her son, and he was taking every word his mum was saying. There you well, go. Suddenly, that's reinforcing it. Listen, I want to bring it back locally. Cost of living is on the tip of the tongue from many, many people within the region. Better future for the community is another great thing that you have gone out and said. Policies in your party is where are we at with that and if the LNP do get back in, what are we expecting for the future with the cost of living? Well, cost of living, of course, is, is, is front and centre for everybody. I mean, every time I go into, into a supermarket, I think, wow. But, I mean, there, there are factors there which, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the supply chain, you know, we just moved into a new house and I said, right, I would like to buy a lounge. They said, well, you've got a 12-month wait. Mm. Uh, That's to, true, yeah. You know, you want to buy, unless you buy, oh, we got this one left off a, a refrigerator. If you don't take this one, you've got a six-month wait. Uh, and and you know that's 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 the global supply chain. You know you have a look around in in America in, in in the west coast of America and in places like China, the number of ships that are just sitting there that are not moving. We can't accelerate that process. We are supporting a lot more innovation here in in uh, encouraging people to build more, make more in Australia. But then we have we also have the issue in relation to your basics, like uh, like fresh f- fruit, etc. That supply chain again has been broken with our recent floods, yeah. uh, and and so it is going to and and it could not not only is it the supply chain, but a lot of those crops have been destroyed, and it's so it's going to take a season for those to recover and come back. And we've got to be looking at ways of doing it smarter. But it is going to take time. I mean, we, we knocked that 22 cents a litre off the excess on fuel and we've seen an immediate, we expected it to take a couple of weeks. There was an immediate drop on it. But, you know, we're not going to stop what's happening in, in the Ukraine at the, as it stands, even though we, we're offering our strong support and we're getting refugees in here. Uh, we're not going to be able to force the Middle Eastern countries to increase their oil production. Uh, at the same time, um, we're arguing. There's strong arguments over here that we've got to stop producing gas and oil and those sort of things ourselves. So, look, it's 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 not an easy solution. I mean, we see with that small increase in the banks, and there will be more. But we've expected that for a long time. Mm. The the positive side is that we've got very very low unemployment in this town. There's an argument out there. I see the unions running around saying, "Oh, you know, casualisation. You know, you're all permanent jobs. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of permanent jobs out there." 
here and in the Atherton Tablelands. I got people, you know, in the dairy farmers and that would give their eye tooth to have a permanent workers, mm. and they pay quite well. There's lots of casual jobs that cannot be filled, and we need to bring in more students, which is part of our economy. We had this conversation okay, recently yes. with one of our listeners who just said it's so hard to employ people right now. So it is there. The unemployment levels are dropping, which is a great thing. They're the lowest they've been in decades. Mm. The reality is there is also a very significant co of people that do not want a nine to five or eight to four job or eight to five job. And, you know, in my office, I've got three, three there that only want to work on certain days. I've got one that likes to work between nine and about two, uh, 10 and two, because they've got kids at school. Oh, that'd be the and dream, so they, you know, so the, they come and work from 10 till two. Yes. So that they're there for their kids when they go. But they're in a position where they're lucky that their employers will allow them to do those hours. But there's a lot of places that don't allow that those hours as well. Well, this is in hospitality and, and, and a lot of other tourism. There are opportunities because most of it in, in, in hospitality, they need them in, holiday, in, in uh, public holidays. Time. They need them at night time, you know. And, and this is where the casualisation is absolutely critical. This is why your students, your backpackers and that, they've got the flexibility to be able to do it. They can go out and enjoy the, enjoy the day and work at night. And so let's not just sort of say... They've all got to be permanent because I have a number of my staff that could not work if I had to put them on permanent. They right. can't do it. And, and that's right across the whole spectrum. And so, and there are lots and lots and lots of permanent jobs available at the moment that cannot be filled. And yeah. if, you know, people take those jobs, that's going to help with the cost of living Absolutely. Well, you know? Absolutely. Listen, before we wrap it up, we'll have one last question. Uh, this is probably the big question. Why should people vote for you, Warren? Why should they vote you again? Well, I've got experience. Right. I, uh, and I've certainly got credibility. And I have delivered year after year after year. One of the challenges, I've been approached by many, particularly within the business community early in this pandemic, and, the, and, and they've come to me and said to me, look, we know you're considering retirement. However, we have a real problem. We're the first one into this. We're going to be the last one out in relation to the pandemic and other challenges that we have. We need somebody that is credible and that's got experience that knows their way to navigate through government and can open doors. As they put it, you get somebody new, it's going to take them a couple of years to get their feet under the table to yeah. understand what to do. I've got, I've, I've got an established, proven record mm. of not actually or challenging my own government. On okay. things that I think are right for my community. So you're not just a yes man. Absolutely not, you know, and this is one of the reasons I'm a member of the Liberal Party because I have the right to reserve my rights in relation to what I do. And I have done it on a regular basis on things that I think are right. And I've been successful. And I think that we need a good, safe, experienced set of hands. I can work either side of the political forum. I've proved that time and time again. Uh, I was a, a chief chief. Uh, Opposition whip for three years. I've been in opposition. I know how it works. Um, been in government for a long time. I've been a minister at different times. I chose in the last few years not to accept a portfolio because if I'd accepted a portfolio, then I would not have been able to reserve my rights because I would have been bound by government. Right. So I've said, no, I don't want to. I'm more effective as a backbencher, but I did take on the role of special envoy. Now, that is not part of, of being a part of cabinet. It's not a role that I get, actually get paid for, but it gives me access to all of the science, okay. you know, all the agencies, and I've been driving that very, very heavy in moving government 
towards climate change. And all this is probably something that majority of normal people, regular people like myself, if they don't do the research, they wouldn't know about you. So no. there's some interesting points right there. And so I just don't think it's the time. I think I owe it to the community, the experience that I've been able to get over the 26-odd years that I've been involved to be able to help to navigate the process. You talk to anybody in business here, you know, the zoo and aquarium uh, package came out of my office right? with operators in my office in Simon, Simon Birmingham. The uh, freight subsidy on live trout and, and, and crayfish came out of my office uh, when we met with the trout fishermen and suddenly international stop, flight stopped. We had to find a way of getting them through. So there's a lot of stuff that have happened. And so, you know, I, I just don't think with the experience that I've had and the support that I've had from my community – over an extended period of time. It would be nice to go and spend some time up on the farm and spend it with my beautiful wife and daughter, and and I will do it eventually, but I don't think this is the time for me to step down, and I, I just think we need to navigate our way through this over the next three years. It's going to be very complex. It's going to be very, very difficult, but somebody that knows where to go I think is going to give us the best chance to get the best possible recovery. Listen, thank you for being a part of our coverage. Good luck uh, when it comes to the election time and best wishes. We know you've got a big campaign ahead of you. Warren Ange, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this special federal election coverage podcast right here on Listener. In the next episode, we talk to One Nation candidate Gina Court. One thing that's not a federal issue here, but in Leichhardt, it is a massive, massive issue, is crime. The crime here is out of control. Now, I know it's a state issue, but when I approached One Nation, the first question I asked them is, what can I do about the crime in Cairns? Because it's out of control. Um, I was advised that I can put pressure on the state and I can work alongside them. So my question is, why isn't this already happening? People are living in fear here and it's getting so bad. It, it's I read the crime alerts and I, I mean, I've moved suburbs in the last 18 months and I've had three attempted break-ins already. I've got alarms all around my house and cameras and a dog. And I just, we shouldn't be living in fear here. No. I, we, some, nothing's been done. Thank you for joining us and to stay up to date with all of the candidates who are vying for the seat of Leichhardt in the 2022 federal election, keep it right here on Listener.